All right, so who got, who did not get January's Bible reading plan from last Sunday? You did not? Okay. I'm going to give you this copy that's up here on the front. And, uh, yeah, there's some out front, too, if you need one. And uh, this is this is what we're working through as a church. I'm encouraging everyone that can and will to stay on the program with us throughout the year of 2024. And uh, unless the Lord redirects me on Sunday nights, we're going to do some reviewing on Sunday nights of the previous few days' readings. We hit some high points and uh, take any questions that you might have or otherwise just focus on one or two things that are significant at least from our perspective as it relates to where we are in the grand scheme of things with what God's doing around here. So uh, if you're with me, say amen. Everybody good with that plan? See, this, this is a discipleship model. It's a way where we can all go through the Bible together. And if you can't read, the good thing is you can hit the play button at the top of every chapter. If you have a way to get on the internet. Okay, if you have a smartphone or a computer, if you don't, let me know. I can get my hands on a device that can play some audios for you where you don't have to have the internet. We can make that available for you if you give us some time. Uh, but otherwise, there's really no excuse. Amen. If you need an email reminder to get in the habit, just sign up for it. Does that work well for you, Amanda? Amanda, sign up for the email reminder. And yeah, it is good, isn't it? Uh, for me, I, I, uh, when I was in school, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I learn better by listening than I do reading a lot of times. That's just my personal learning style. So. Yeah, so that, that audio helps me a lot, too. Yeah, it does. So, it's, so to hear it and to read it is good. Uh, but you can just listen to it if you struggle with the reading. Uh, but uh, it's, it's something that we put a lot of time and energy and uh, investment in for your benefit. Amen? And we trust and pray that you'll not take it lightly, that you'll take it as seriously as uh, the commitment that we put into making it available for you. Uh, it is no small feat. We have built an entire online Bible website for the sake of your spiritual journey. And it gives you an opportunity, if you're into the digital world, uh, to interact. Now, here's the way you interact if you're not into the digital world. If you just want to take that piece of paper and check your little box off and read it out of your Bible, you can do that, and that's fine. But I've left a little space there so that if you come across a, a verse or a passage that you don't understand, just write the reference down with a quick cue as to what your question might have been. Bring it back that following Sunday night and raise it as a question. Can you review this book, this chapter, this verse, help me understand this. And that's what my intention is, is to help each of us, if I can, better understand the difficult passages, okay? 
Now, if you raise a question that I don't know the answer to, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say, I don't know. That's a great question, but if you'll give me a week, I'll see what I can find, and we'll bring it up next Sunday night. So that way, as a church, we can grow together, we can learn together. But if you're in the digital sphere and you don't mind, you can, there's places under every chapter and under every devotion. By the way, by the time you get to the end of 2024, there will be two years' worth of devotions 365 days in a year, right? Times two. What is the math? That's well over. That's three, 700, 720, 730 devotions uh, that you'll stumble across that you can read in addition to the Bible to help you dig deeper. Sir? Okay, and this is leap year. Praise the Lord. So, well, the good thing about this plan is on January 29th, you can take a break. Yeah, you can take a day off. Uh, but there'll also be uh, added sermons because what I plan to do as I'm preaching, like today's sermon that I preached this morning is already linked to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 in cornerstonekeynotes.com. Next year in your reading plan, when you read, actually this year because you haven't even got to Matthew 11 yet. In this year's reading, when you come across Matthew 11 and you're reading it, you're going to see a link under that verse that says Sermon, When God Gets Violent by Pastor Gary Calder. You can click the link, it reviews the summary, and it gives you an audio link where you can listen to it and then loop back to your reading if you want to. Now, again, this material is just putting it at your fingertips to make it easier for you to dig in again. Also, every single one of them has got a shareable link. You could text the link. You could email the link you could just copy the link and paste it anywhere you want to on Facebook Instagram so any social media account it makes it easy for you to bless others with what God might have used to bless you and and so it's interactive there there are place where you can you can uh, log in at the bottom I want to explain the comment section at the bottom of those pages uh, you can comment, but it'll require you to log in. So you'll either have to set up a free Discuss account, D-I-S-Q-U-S. It's symbolic for discussion. It's, it's a free social media account where you can interact and actually ask questions or make comments at the bottom of chapters or sermons or devotions, and other people can weigh into the conversation. I, as the moderator, can respond on that public forum if I want to. Now, you may or may not use that, but I'm building it to cultivate an atmosphere of Bible study as an interconnected community of believers. The cool thing about this, anybody and everybody that don't go to church with you that loves the Word and would love to join in the Bible study with you can just jump right in at any point in the year. Say, so you want to join us in our Bible study? Just get on the daily reading plan. Every day that you pull it up, it tells you what today's date is, and all you've got to do is go to today's date. January 7th, boom, there's the link. Tap January 7th, it gives you the first chapter link. You click that first chapter, you read it. At the bottom, it'll give you the link to the next chapter. Click that link, read it, go to the bottom, it gives you the link to the next chapter. And when you're done, it'll have the next day link. And you can just stop there for the day. I'm trying to make it real simple. And here's the cool thing. If we can do this right as a church, and at the end of 2024 we say we grow spiritually as a blessing to us, we can model this, and I can replicate this same model for any pastor that wants to go through their the reading with their church 
and uh, it could be their own separate deal. But we're going to try to uh, model something that would help other churches get involved. I'm, I'm a firm believer. If we make the Bible itself, the menu, like I'm not going to have a list of sermons on a page where you can go, oh, there's a whole list of brother. No, you're going to have to read the Bible, and you're going to find the little notes as you're reading the Bible. It's, it's called cornerstone for a reason. The cornerstone of our teaching is the Word of God, not Gary Caudill's footnotes. Can I get an amen right there? All right, so this is something that, uh, and I know that the technology is new, it's different. Nobody that I know of has built anything like this. Should that surprise you, me being Gary Caudill? It shouldn't surprise you at all. I'm different, and that's cool because here's what I've decided to do. Uh, God asked me years ago, what do you have in your hands? And I started looking at what I can do. And I said, well, this is unique and different. Nobody else is doing it. And the Lord's like, well, get to it then. So here we are. And I get to use you as guinea pigs. <laughs> Amen. And I think that you'll really enjoy the journey. Uh, now, admittedly, I'm going to have to do some more writing towards the end of the year to finish out the second year of devotions. But as it stands, there's well over a year and a half, I think, that, we're going, that you're going to be able to discover. Now, I know so there'll be some days you won't have time to read every devotion you come across. There'll be some days you'll come across two or three devotions in one day. Other days, there'll be one devotion. It's just kind of sporadic uh, like that. But usually, I don't think you'll ever come across a day where you can't dig a little deeper uh, and find something that, can, that you can uh, focus in on if you want to. But more than that, I want you to get involved and, and start discussions. If, if there's a passage of particular interest, maybe use that comment section and say, have you ever thought about filling the blank? Or I've got a question, what do you think about? And see if you can't get some online collaboration going there. Uh, and I think what you'll find is it'll help anchor the younger generation who is all into technology, right? And that's what we're really trying to do, right? We're trying to build bridges into the younger generation's lives. We want to meet them where they're at. They're online. That's where they're at. Can I get an amen, boys? This young generation is online. The devil in the world is throwing everything else at them on social media and, and smartphone devices. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to bring them into the Word of God on the same platform. There's no reason why we can't beat the devil at his game. Amen. So, and, and I think in the long run we're going to be pleasantly surprised at how God's going to bless this project. I've got a little lady in the Philippines who is a, is a, a national pastor's daughter who is building out the chapters for me as we speak. I pay her a whole lump sum of $3 an hour, which is great money in the Philippines. It's great money in the Philippines, and I've had people donate to help cover those costs. And she's just about finished with the whole Bible. We have plenty enough to get the day started, to get the year started. So if you start looking for, uh, if you get ahead of the reading plan, you're not going to find everything you're looking for yet. So just stay with the plan. By the time you get there, it'll all be finished. But we're starting early because I'm an eager beaver. And, uh, and, and anyway, I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Just follow the plan. And if you need that daily reminder, uh, just go on there and fill in the little form, and I'll add you to the email reminder list. And it'll send you a link every morning at 8 a.m. I think it's 8, 7 or 8, somewhere in there. And you can click the link, and it'll get you started. And it'll take you straight to the day. And uh, 
well, it'll take you, what it'll do is it'll take you to the yearly plan. It'll tell you what date it is, and then using your common sense, you'll navigate to today's date, whatever that date is. And we'll always be on target, okay? If you get behind, we're not going to wait on you. Amen? If we get behind, you don't wait on us. But every Sunday night, we're going to try to do some review of the previous week's readings, okay? Uh, I think this will be healthy for us. Uh, I've had people say, can you do series, uh, Bible series teachings? Well, this is a good way to start right here. And I know that there's no way I can teach you in detail everything in one year. But at least we can hit the high points. This is more like a, a survey or a summary, right? Because there's a lot of material covered this past week, right? A lot of material. In fact, if you haven't, if you, if you didn't get plugged in, don't worry about it. Uh, just pick up... Uh, Tomorrow with tomorrow's date, all right? Uh, just, just, just try to plug in where you can, when you can. I, I don't expect you to do two weeks worth of reading and one week to get caught up unless you've got the time for it. Now, if you've got the time for it, get busy. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so that being said, and because we've got a lot of ground to cover, what I want to do is uh, review each day's topics and as I'm reviewing these topics and looking at them in my scripture, I'm going to ask you if there's any questions that may have come up as you were reading the word or, or any, any verses of interest that speaks to you. Even if it's not a question, but just a, a testimony of how that verse ministered to you. Share it with us. Let's make this a Bible discussion. Can we do that? Father, bless this time together. And help us to make the best and the most of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So January 1 was Genesis 1 and 2 and Matthew 1. And in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, three primary subjects were the creation of the world in six days. Light, sky, land, vegetation, stars, animals, and humans. And then uh, God rested on the seventh day and sanctified the Sabbath. And then we had the formation of Adam, the first man and Eve, the first woman, in the Garden of Eden. That's the primary results of Genesis 1 and 2. Before we move to Matthew, does anybody have any comments or questions uh, regarding anything you might have come across in those passages? One of the things I'll point out is the devotions seem to emphasize uh, in these beginning passages, the importance of the seed. Notice with me Genesis 1.12, And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding, what? Seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay. Uh, verse 27, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female created he them. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God gave, uh, created Adam and Eve, and of course he put within man and woman the ability to reproduce seed after their kind. And, uh, and so you see a theme of seed. Uh, interesting thing about the seed is with one word from God, he created a seed that could be repeated and replicated indefinitely until the end of time. Just with one word. 
you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't, can't count the apples in a seed, right? And, and when God starts something until he finishes it, it's going to continue on, right? What, what kind of seeds has God put in your heart and in your life that he's still watering, that he's still cultivating, right? And know that what God, that good work that he's begun in you, he will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. So you see all these principles surrounding that one subject of the seed. Now, we know spiritually that God's seed is his word. When God speaks a word, the question is what kind of soil is it landing in? Do you have stony ground in your heart? Do you have fertile ground? Do you have thorny ground? Are you listening? Amen. What kind of soil is in your heart? You want the kind of heart to where God can drop a seed of his word and it'll grow. And he can water it, and he can cultivate it, and he can get fruit out of it. The only kind of ground that can do that is a receiving ground. You know, stony ground has no capacity to receive. That's the hardness of men's hearts. When men say, I, I know what the Bible says, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, that's a stony heart that will never produce the seed that God created for it to produce. Because it doesn't have the capacity to receive, right? So there's a principle for you right there, right there in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Matthew 1 covers the genealogy of Jesus Christ, tracing from Abraham to David and then to Joseph. Uh, and, and then we see the birth of Jesus Christ explained as the fulfillment of prophecy. And then we see Joseph's dream and acceptance of Mary as his wife, preserving her honor. Matthew chapter 1, let me go there. Any questions or comments? All right. I will point out verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Amen. A virgin. Jesus Christ's father was not Joseph. His father was God. Joseph was a, uh, you might say, a legal guardian, right, as we might call it today. Uh, but God was his father. In fact, if you remember when they found him in the temple uh, as a 12-year-old boy, they lost him, remember? They went back and found him in the temple. They're like, what are you doing here? He said, wish you not that I must be about my father's business. He wasn't referring to Joseph. He was referring to the father. And Joseph had to take orders and say, and, and submit to that. He didn't rebuke him for it because Jesus had orders from headquarters, his heavenly father, his real father, right? Amen. And so uh, we can learn then that God is our father, all right? So that's January 1. If I'm going too fast, if you have any questions, just stop me. January 2, Genesis 3 and 4. Covers the temptation and the fall of Adam of man. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. Then we see the expulsion from the Garden of Eden and the curse upon the serpent, the woman and man. And then we see Cain and Abel's offerings. Cain's murder of Abel and God's punishment of Cain. A lot to cover there, right? And you see the first picture in Genesis 3. Let me go back there.
I'm looking for it. Verse 21, And to Adam and also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins. And what did he do? He clothed them. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You went straight for what I was going for. Very good. Very good. An animal had to die. This is the first sacrifice. And God made it. God had, you know, that's why the law said that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission for sins. It's life for life, right? And this is the first foreshadowing of what the cross would do when Jesus as the Lamb of God would sacrifice himself. Do you remember the text where Adam offered up Isaac, Abraham rather, offered up his son Isaac and on their way up the mountain Isaac said where's the, we have the wood, we have the we have everything else but where's the sacrifice, where's the, the lamb? He said God shall provide himself a lamb. I don't want you to miss this. It was prophetic and he was literally, he wasn't saying God was going to provide a lamb for that day because what did he actually find? They found a ram caught in the thicket. It was prophetic of God providing literally himself as the lamb through his son Jesus. You see that? God will provide himself a lamb. It was prophetic. So already Genesis 3, God's already showing us a glimpse into his redemptive plan. Amen. And you see Jesus all throughout the scriptures in types and foreshadows, foreshadowings and that kind of thing. Uh, let's see here. That's Genesis 3 and 4. Let me make sure I'm not overlooking anything I want to highlight there. And then we read Psalm chapter 1, contrasting the ways and fates of the righteous versus the wicked and the blessings of delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it. Uh, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, right? And so uh, it covers that ground. If you want to be blessed... Live by the book. If you want to be cursed, ignore the book. Amen. Now, it doesn't say that you're going to live a carefree life when you live by the book. Jesus warned us that there would come persecutions with it. Right? So the devil's going to try to give you a hard time, but you're still going to be blessed. Amen. Would you rather be fighting the devil with God's blessings or fighting the devil without God's blessings? Amen. I, I, just, I just might as well go ahead and sign up for the blessing so I can survive the persecution. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, we, got the, we see the promise of God's uh, blessings in, in Psalm chapter 1. Okay, we move to January 3. It was, we covered Genesis 5 and 6, which covers the genealogy from Adam to Noah. And we see the wickedness of humanity leading to God's decision to send a flood. Let's think about that for a minute. We'll go back, Genesis 5 and 6.
the Bible said God's spirit will not always strive with man. The wickedness had gotten so great in the earth that God said, I just, I'm just going to hit reset. And I believe he would have wiped everybody out. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and I love the fact that it didn't say Noah impressed the Lord. It didn't really even say that Noah was perfect in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is not given based on your merit. Right? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God blessing you with things that you don't deserve. Amen? The unmerited favor of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So God found somebody to show some grace to. And it's, again, all about preserving the promise. See, that's the reason he didn't wipe everybody out. Because he had a redemption plan for lost humanity. So the seed had to live on. So he picked one family out of the whole world. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the life of Noah and the picture and the typology of them getting on the ark. They built an ark, right? And in a sense, you can make a comparison to what the church is, the ark of safety. Now, really, Jesus is the ark, not the church. Because you can join the church and still be lost. Right? But, but what we do is we, we build, or God builds the church through us, I should I say, to be correct. God builds his church so that we can point people to the ark. Right? The ark of safety that shelters us from the wrath of God. Now, he'll no longer send a watery flood. To, to, but guess what? There's coming a fiery judgment one day. A judgment of fire. And the ark of safety is Jesus. And you better be sheltered in Jesus if you're going to be spared from the wrath of God to come. So again, a message of redemption, a message of judgment, a message of our need for repentance and faith in God. Amen? So you see this overwhelming, repetitive theme throughout Scripture. Uh, Matthew 2 references the birth of Jesus and the visit of the Magi. Uh, of course, we did some preaching and teaching and singing recently, but all of that, didn't we, uh, in the holiday season. Any questions or comments so far? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you hear what Ron said? He let Noah do everything except close the door. That's because Jesus is the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. In fact, he said, I am, uh, did he not say he was the door? The, the good, did you know that, uh, and that, I'm glad you brought that up. A little nugget for you. Uh, when shepherds would bring their flocks into the sheepfold at night, uh, there was no physical lock and key or gate at the entry of those sheepfolds. So what they would do, the shepherd themselves would lay across the threshold of that opening to that sheepfold. And they themselves would become the door so that if something come in or out, they'd have to step over or on top of the shepherd 
and he would be alarmed and alerted by their presence. So when Jesus says that he's the good shepherd and that he's the door, he's literally, you, you cannot go. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you try to come in any other way, you're the same as a thief and a robber. Right? So Jesus is the only way. I don't care what these other religions say. They're wrong. Amen? So, all right. So uh, let's, let's look at... Oh, yeah, and also Matthew 2 covered Herod's plot to kill Jesus, the holy family's escape to Egypt, the massacre of the innocents, and the return to Nazareth. A lot, lot, lot of ground covered there, and again, you see the preservation of God's promised seed by him protecting Jesus from that attack. And uh, we could talk about collateral damage right here. That... Uh, when the, when the enemy can't get to you specifically, he'll try to get to anything around you. He will. And, and, and sometimes your family, I know this is a pastor. Can I be frank? Uh, boys, y'all pay attention. I hope you're not being bored. All right. I know this is a, fam, a pastor. Sometimes my family pays the price for something people are mad at me over. And they take it out on them because they can't get to me. And it's not right, but it's part of it. It's collateral damage, right? Did you know that when you decide to serve God, there's going to be some people that if they associate with you, they, they put the bullseye on them too? And you're just going to have to be okay with that. There's nothing you can do to eliminate that. But pray for their covering. Pray for their protection. Offer their assistance. Offer assistance to them whenever they're being attacked by the devil. There's people that probably, no doubt, uh, pick up some kind of grief for supporting my ministry here. I hope that that's not the case with you, but it wouldn't surprise me uh, in a church our size if two or three of you don't, ain't given a hard time because you stood with me on an issue instead of somebody else. Collateral damage, baby. Just take the heat for Jesus. Don't take it from me. If I'm taking heat for Jesus, then you need to take some heat for Jesus too. You're not taking it from me. Take it for Jesus. Collateral damage. It's going to happen. Uh, but we've got to decide whose side are we on. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. We're going to serve the Lord, and we're asking you to serve the Lord. And, uh, and just... Don't, don't let, don't let, and I'm hoping and praying to God you don't have any naysayers uh, feeding garbage into your ears because of how different we are from the average Joe, amen, from the average pastor. I know I'm different. Who said different was wrong? Am I biblical? Do I preach the word? Have you found anything where I violated the word of God? Then shut up. Amen. <laughs> People get so hung up over stuff that has nothing to do with the Bible. And I, I'm just, I, I, I make it my business to be just pure Bible because I can't go wrong there. Now, I can go wrong with a lot of people doing that, but I ain't too concerned about that because I, I answer to my Heavenly Father, right? And so we got to be willing to take some of that heat. Amen. That's a message in and of itself, ain't it? See, I knew if we review some of this, we'd hit some, uh, we'd get some meat on these rabbit trails every once in a while.
<laughs> All right, so that was Genesis, uh, January 3, January 4, I've got to hurry. Genesis 7, 8 covers Noah's ark and the great flood and then the subsiding of the waters and Noah's sacrifice after exiting the ark. Any questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you learned that. And uh, anybody want to uh, weigh into that? And and I know the answer, but I want to see if anybody else wants to speak to it. The what? What about them? No, it was a, it was a, it was the, the clean animals. Let's look at the verse again. Of every clean beast, that shall take. And I don't, I don't remember categorically if some of those are herdable animals or not. To be honest, uh, by sevens male and his, and it could be, it could be, uh, but definitely some uh, birds. There you, that's where I was. That's where I was leading because if you'll, if it was maybe for food for sacrifice. Here's the thing, though: if they only had two of everything, and then they had to make a sacrifice, then they would have. Right. So they had to have some for sacrifice. So for sure, there was provisions made for sacrifice. I have never heard that specific application, but it's a good question and worthy of exploration. I'll get back to you on that after I look into it some more. <clears throat> In fact, it tells us what he sacrificed. What verse is it? No, I'm talking about in Genesis. When Noah came off the ark, it tells us what kind he sacrificed. Yeah, took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So uh, so what we need to do is go back to the law and define what clean beasts are, and, and that will give us some more insight on that. So there's y'all some homework. Brother Roger, I'm going to put that assignment on you. Study that out and bring it back to us next Sunday night, would you? Since, amen. I'd love to see what you find out. That would be great. Uh, okay. Uh, Matthew 3 uh, on January 4 covers the ministry of John the Baptist, which we touched on some this morning the baptism of Jesus and the divine proclamation of his sonship. Amen. Uh, any questions on that? Okay, moving on. Keep an eye on the time. We're doing good. Genesis 9 and 10. 
on January 5, we read about God's covenant with Noah and all living creatures. What was the covenant? That God would no longer flood the earth, correct. Didn't promise he would never judge the earth again. He just said he wouldn't do it by water. Right? And then we see the sign of the covenant, which is what? The rainbow. Did y'all know that, boys, that God put a rainbow in the sky to remind Noah and every, every generation after him that he would never flood the earth again? And, and if you read the scripture, this is very interesting to me, and I cannot explain this to you doctrinally. But God said, I'm going to put a bow in the sky so that when I see it, I will remember my covenant. But did you know that a rainbow, if you could follow the, the, the light pattern, it makes a complete circle? So, so God's looking at the one side of the ring from his perspective, and we're looking at the other side of the ring from our perspective. And each perspective unites God and man on that covenant. God keeps his promises. Amen. He never said there'd be another flood. He just said there'd never be another worldwide flood that would destroy the earth. Okay. So the sign of the covenant and Noah's descendants leading to the nations of the world. Genesis 9 through 10. And by the way, uh, in Genesis, the book of beginnings, uh, you also have begin to understand how the nations were divided after the flood. And there will be the shifting of the continents and all of that. Uh, a lot of resettling and stuff like that. And, uh, and you can get into some of the scientific explanations. And you will discover that the science, science falsely so-called contradicts the word of God. Because they'll try to teach you that this earth is millions and millions and millions if not billions of years old. And if you study the Bible and take it literally, you will discover that the Bible, uh, the, the earth is uh, around 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, some people say between 6 and 10. I don't know how they do their math, but, but it's a young earth. And y'all want to know how to describe the fossil record? You describe the fossil record not because... The earth has been here for so long that those layers stacked on top of each other naturally. But you describe the fossil record because a worldwide flood caused so many mudslides that layer upon layer upon layer was quickly packed on top of each other. And that's why you can see some skeletons of dinosaurs through several layers of earth that scientists would even say each one of those layers could symbolize millions of years of settlement. Well, how can that one skeleton be stacked through all those different millions of layers? It can't. It's just a lie. They've fabricated a bunch of lies to try to get a generation to not believe in God from the very first verse of the Bible, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? It is. It is. The Bible's all, got all the answers. Okay? So uh, we see God's kind of, uh, Psalms 2 and 3, we see God's chosen king in the vain uh, rebellion of earthly rulers. We see David's trust in God amid, um, amidst adversity. 
in Psalms chapter 2 and verse 3. No matter the, what the kings of the earth do, they set themselves against God and against his anointed, but God's going to get the last laugh. Don't you worry about that. Amen. Any questions so far? All right. Then, then on January 6th, we read through Genesis 11 and 12, which cover the Tower of Babel and the confusion of the languages. You want to know where we all, I get all the different languages of the world? It happened in Genesis chapters 11 and 12, where rebellious man, they only knew one language at that time. Uh, they were so unified, God said, if I don't put a stop to this, nothing shall be impossible to them. So he confused their languages. They were building a tower in the height of their pride as humanity to try to reach heaven. And God put a stop to it. And he confused their languages so they scattered and become the different nations of the earth. So you see that happened there in Genesis 11 and 12. We see the call of Abram and the promise of God to make him a great nation as well. Miss a lot in just one week of reading if you don't <laughs> stay with it, don't you? All right, Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. There's some great, great, great teaching right there just in Matthew chapter 4. We see Jesus begins his public ministry and calls his first disciples. So let's, let's pause for just a minute and talk about that. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The Bible describes categorically three areas of temptation that men and women are prone to. The lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and they're not necessarily the same thing. Okay? The lust of the flesh is what feeds your physical flesh and it's the pleasures that it wants and the appetites. That, but the lust of the eyes could have more to do with materialistic things that don't necessarily uh, please your flesh, but they please your ego. Lust of the eyes, things you want to possess and things you want to impress others with. And then the pride of life deals with the heart, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay. The Bible said that Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin I personally believe that doesn't mean that every specific temptation anybody could have ever experienced Jesus was tempted with for example I don't believe that Jesus was tempted with the sin of homosexuality it's not that specific it didn't have to be what Jesus was tempted in was the three main categories of life and temptation that any temptation falls under lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life and if you study the temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 you will find that those correlate lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life let's go through them real quickly uh, Matthew chapter 4 what were the temptations y'all help me remember now uh, Satan brought him up to the pinnacle of the temple Offered him the kingdoms of the earth. What, what temptation was that? Was that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? Pride of life. I would, I would say that that is accurate. All right. What, what else was Jesus tempted with? Uh, to make these stones, turn them into bread. 
There's the lust of the flesh. Right? And then the other one was cast thyself from the temple. Right? But he said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay? Lust of the eyes. So, so the, the temple, the, the vision from the temple is the lust of the eyes. That was the pride of life where he was tempting him to tempt the Lord. You know the scripture says if you'll just, you know, he'll send his angel and the devil was twisting the scripture and misapplying the scripture trying to tempt Jesus to do something. And Jesus, uh, let, let's go there. Who, who's got that pulled up? Can I have your Bible? All right. Let's look at it real quickly. Jesus was led in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered, I imagine so. Uh, and then the tempter came to him. He said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Right? So there's the lust of the flesh. And he deals with it with the word of God. Now, if you want to know how to defeat any and all temptation, know that there's an answer for every temptation from God's word that will overpower that temptation. Are you listening to me? All right. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Uh, see, and, and here, notice this nuance here. If thou be the Son of God, the devil's trying to get Jesus to prove who he is by taking orders from him. By the way, you don't owe the devil no explanations. You don't owe anybody but your creator any explanations as to who you are. Amen? He shall give his angels charge over thee, uh, concerning thee, and, and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time. Thou dash thy foot against the stone, quoting, of course, Psalm 91, verse 11. And Jesus said unto him, again, it is what? It is written. Again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay, so that's the pride of life. Trying to get Jesus to smote his chest and say, look who I am. I am the Son of God, and I will show you that I am. Well, that would have just been the sin of pride if he had followed through with the devil's temptation. You see that? Uh, again, don't let your ego cause you to do things that violate your walk with God. Amen. It's written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up, and here's the lust of the eyes, into exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kings of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Behold, the angels came and ministered. Don't be surprised if the devil don't try a, a threefold strategy on you before he leaves you. Are you here? I think I've found where I need to land tonight. Almost. All right? Listen to me. He'll come to you sometimes with three different avenues to tempt you before he'll let you go. Don't, don't, don't be surprised if after you win the victory over one temptation, he don't come right back around through a different angle.
Yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 and what you need to be aware of is you don't need to be ignorant of his devices because you'll think that you've got the victory and then all of a sudden you come up, you're blindsided. If he didn't get you with the lust of the flesh, he'll get you with the lust of the eyes. And notice those two are very closely related too. Maybe you didn't partake of the forbidden fruit, so he said, I tell you what, I, I may not have got them to bite, but I can get them to looking and wanting it. Mm-hmm. So what he'll do is he'll, he'll have you to pitch your tent towards Sodom. You don't have to live down in Sodom yet. The devil don't care as long as he's getting, trying to feed that lust, trying to tempt you, trying to position you to be more vulnerable so that when he comes in for the kill, he's got you. Amen. Pride of life. He'll get you to thinking you've got to prove yourself. And, uh, and isn't that, I don't know why I'm dealing, but I'm going to go ahead and hit this issue. The homosexual agenda is full of pride. They actually name it the pride movement. And it is the epitome of pride. Because they are about trying to prove themselves as relevant to the whole world. Not because of the moral upstanding character by which they live, but by their behavior. And their behavior is in direct contradiction to the word of God. So it is a satanic movement and it is a trap of the devil to get people to believe that they have something to prove to the world. And so they fly their flags and dare you to say anything about it. It's, it's a pride issue. It really is. But th th that's the detriment of the whole movement. They don't understand that they're, that they're embracing the one thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. They're embracing the very first recorded sin in all of human or, or the... Uh, I should say, uh, angelic history. The sin of pride, and right in the middle of it is the letter I. Don't ever forget that. When men go about to try to prove their image to everyone else as valid, and they want you to accept them, exactly for who they are without holding them accountable to any righteous standard whatsoever. That is, the, that is the peak of pride. For men to insist that you accept them without expecting them to have any responsibility for their sinful behaviors. That is pride. That is, and by the way, we have no business expecting people to just accept us for who we are without the need for change. That's not just for the sin of homosexuality. That could be for the sin of arrogance in a church. I've heard people say, well, bless God, this is just the way I am. This is who I am. I've been this way for 50 years, and I ain't going to change. And you think that's okay? And you think we're supposed to be okay with that? And you think just because you've been acting that way for 50 years, it means everybody else is going to have to curtail to your stinking attitude while you still live there with a rotten attitude and hate everybody and their brother and make everybody's lives miserable because you ain't got enough uh, humility about you to admit when you're wrong. You think everybody else is going to have to cater to you, right? And that's how people are sometimes. 
is pride. It is so, it's just stubborn, outright pride to just insist on being who you are and not being held responsible or being expected to change. Newsflash, all of us got room for change. The Bible says, humble yourself before the almighty hand of God, and in due time he'll exalt thee. The Bible says, condescend to men of lower degree. Quit trying to rub shoulders with the best. Find somebody that you perceive as beneath you and get down on their level and become one with them. Love them. Relate to them. Swallow your pride. It'll do you some good. Even if you know you're right and they're wrong, just go ahead help them anyway. Condescend to men of low degree. Amen. Rub shoulders with the worst. Right? Yeah, you can. I, I'm not talking about hanging around with a bunch of old crude sinners and picking up bad habits. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making yourself available to any and all people. And you're not too, you're not too good for anybody. And I'm not either. Pride. Keep us, keep us from ministering the way we're supposed to. Amen. So there's, there's a huge lesson right there. Matthew chapter 4. And how we can deal with temptation and keep ourselves in check to the Word of God. Amen. And, uh, and the last thing is uh, January 7th, which is today's reading. I don't know if you've had time to do today's reading or not. Maybe you'll do it before you go to bed tonight. Genesis 13 and 14 cover Abram and Lot's a separation where Lot chooses Sodom. And we just spoke about that earlier. And then Abram rescues Lot and meets Melchizedek, king of Salem. And boy, there's a whole message right there I don't have time to get into tonight. Any questions, though? Genesis 13 and 14. Uh, one, one thought about Lot pitching his tent toward Sodom. You usually follow where your eyes look. So if your eyes are looking in the wrong direction, if you want to circumvent ending up in the wrong place, train your eyes to look in better places. Train your eyes to look upward. Amen. I, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Just lift your eyes up higher than the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah or the plains of this or that. Wherever your eyes are trying to... Listen, young men, I, I, know, that, uh, I know that, you know, it, I remember being your age. A lot of temptation in this old crazy world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you get your eyes on this old world, you'll end up in the slums of society just like a lot of people do. You've got to feed your eyes the direction you want your soul to be 10 years from now. And if you don't want to be messed up and jacked up, get your eyes, keep your eyes from looking in that direction. Amen. If you want to end up in church in 10 years serving God, keep your eyes on the church. Keep your eyes more on Jesus rather than the church. The church will mess you up too. I got a message I preached on surviving church. Amen. Sometimes church people will jack you up. 
We don't come to church for people. We come to church for Jesus. Amen. People are going to be messed up in church. In fact, surprise, surprise, the church is a spiritual hospital. We're the messed up, most messed up bunch there is. We're just willing to admit we need help. Can I get an amen? That's right. Just keep looking to Jesus. Matthew 5 covers the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes as we call them, and then the teachings on the fulfillment of the law which is love for your enemies and true righteousness. A lot of, lot of, lot of ground, amen. So you kind of get the concept. This is what I want to do on Sunday nights unless the Lord uh, pulls one on me and says, no, you're doing this tonight. And sometimes he'll do that, and that's okay. The Holy Spirit's, he's the boss. But I hope that this will become a, a, an invaluable process for you. Uh, this is something, honestly, I wish that my pastor and when I was a kid would have done with me is go through the whole Bible with me in some systematic way and so uh, this is my first time doing it I'm trying it on you and I hope that at the end of the year we'll be glad we did it amen and and and, and if you thought it was a little bit boring guess what get in the book this week and have some questions next week and it'll be a lot more exciting amen get in the book and, uh, and we'll learn a lot together. What time is it? Time to close in prayer. Father, bless this time that we've had to spend together. Uh, Lord, and we ask that you'd help us to dig into the word. And may the word get in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold on just a second. Brother Ron, what was I supposed to announce? Yeah, we got uh, tithing envelopes with names on them up here. So don't forget to grab yours on your way that has an uh, envelope for every week of the year so that you can put your tithing check in there. And so that'll be a, a, a blessing to you. You are dismissed. God bless you. Have a good evening. And uh, let's come back Wednesday chomping at the bits. <laughs>